Welcome to another episode of the History of California podcast. I'm Jordan Maddox, your host. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about a tribe in the Central Valley of California called the Yokuts. We'll be exploring uh, different aspects of their society as well as covering the land that they lived on. Last week we covered two tribes from the northeast of California and next week we'll talk about the people of the desert. I hope you enjoy. I live in the suburban sprawl of a large city in the Central Valley of California. Looking out my window, the northern window of my house, I can see the Sierra Nevada mountains. Below them, I see rolling golden hills. And at the base of those, I see sprawling farmland covered with cows and almond orchards. If I look out another window to the south, I see a hospital, endless Houses and development creeping towards those wide open spaces. It's a reminder that the land is always changing. Humans are constantly expanding and moving, and that brings inevitable changes to the environment. For example, Tulare Lake was the largest lake west of the Mississippi until it was all but erased from the environment by the Pine Flat Dam. If you drive out to where Tulare Wake was, you'll find nothing but farmland and dirt. Today we're going to be talking about the yokuts. What is a yokut? The word is actually uh, a word that means people or person in the language of this tribe. The natives themselves did not refer to themselves by this name. The Yokuts were the second largest group of the connected native tribes in California behind the Shoshone. There were many tribes with different names that were part of this collective whole, like, for example, Chukchansi, Tachi, uh, just to give two examples. The glue that binded these tribes together and is the reason why we categorize them as one group was their linguistic similarities. Beyond that, there were also certain cultural, economic, sociological and technological similarities, but many of those could be written off as similarities of the environment. The linguistic connection is how the scholarship has decided to draw the lines here, and so we'll stick with that for the purposes of this podcast. The geographical boundaries of the Yokuts is expansive. Yokuts people lived all the way from the Tehachapi Mountains, which are the gateway to the desert, and all the way up to the San Joaquin Delta near Stockton. Now, there isn't a lot of diversity among this landscape. Some parts are more arid than others. Other parts have better river access. Some lived in the foothills while others lived on the valley floor. Some lived near lakes and others had better access to the mountains. One of my favorite TV shows is Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain. His death this past year hit me pretty hard. I didn't know him, of course, but his curiosity and his generosity are two of the virtues that I tried to live my life with. Um, Anyway, it's probably his influence that causes me to start with food in each of these episodes as an entry point to understanding the native people groups. The subsistence of the Yokuts can be broken down into two main divisions, northern and southern. Tribes in the north had greater access to rivers and fishing. 
Salmon was a staple food in the northern diet. In particular, northern tribes had access to a large supply of salmon in the spring and the fall along the San Joaquin River. We've talked about fishing methods in previous episodes, and the scholarship is limited enough about fishing in the Central Valley. I think we can just assume that similar methods were used that the Talawa and the northeastern tribes used. Next to fish, various kinds of birds played the role as the second most important source of protein for the Yokuts, including geese, ducks, and aquatic birds. Big game hunting appears to have played less of a central role in their diet. Vegetables were also an important part of the Yokuts' diet. One of the most important among these was the acorn. I lived for a year in the Stockton and Lodi area along the Delta, And I was always impressed and admired the majestic oak trees that lined this area. I would drive along uh, between the wineries in Lodi. And if you drive along these roads, you'll see these massive oak trees that tower over the road. The oak is so important in this area that it's become kind of a central motif in many of the names of the wineries, like Oak Farm, Oak Ridge, Heritage Oak, the list goes on and on. In particular, at the winery called Oak Farm, there's this beautiful line of oaks that rim the parking lot that are some of the most arresting and beautiful trees I've ever seen. The Yokuts relied on these trees for their acorns. One single large oak could produce as much as 300 to 500 pounds of acorns in one harvest. In many ways, the acorn was the most important part of the Yokut's diet. Another vegetable in abundance were tule reeds, or roots, excuse me. The city and the county of Tulare are actually named, uh, their name comes from this reed. A tule reed is a common reed in freshwater lakes and marshes. The tule once lined the entire lake of Tulare, a lake that was drained by land speculators in the 20th century which was actually the largest freshwater lake on the West Coast, to reiterate that point. I just feel like I need to reiterate it, because many people don't know that there was this enormous lake in the Central Valley of California up until the 20th century. We'll return to this topic, because I want to talk about it in more detail, thinking about land, changes, people, the environment, and how they all intersect in a later episode. These roots and reeds played an important part um, both in the diet as well as in the physical apparatus that became part of the Yokut's culture and lifestyle. Essentially, the Yokuts would harvest them in mass, grind them up, and then make them into a soup. But these reeds were also used for other things like baskets, clothing, and even homes. Now, speaking of structures, let's spend a bit on structures and homes. The homes of the Yokuts were made of these stranded tule reeds, and by strand I mean pulled apart into strands. They were weaved into an oval shape anywhere from 25 to 40 feet across. The roofs of these houses, roofs, uh, roofs, roofs, hmm, uh, were made of tule mats, uh, essentially weaved together cloth of tule reeds. The houses then were dug out two feet below. And there are some structures in the Central Valley because of the temperatures in the summertime that are actually below ground. And we'll 
talk about one of the most famous ones in Fresno in a later episode. The other two most common types of buildings that were constructed in these tribes were sweat lodges and community meeting houses. Now, in terms of physical materials, the Yokuts had the same materials that many native groups had, but were really adept basket makers. This could be related to the terrain, um, the abundance of tule reeds uh, as a primary material for producing these baskets. There were two main parts of a basket. There were the stems of the grass and the shreds of the rootstock, which were wrapped and coiled together to make a basket. An example of a type of basket that was made was a coiled cooking basket, which has a flat bottom with flared sides. It seems that these baskets were used mainly for cooking the acorn down into a mush. They made other types of baskets, for example, cradles for children and many other types of baskets as well. Unlike the tribes in the Northeast, the Yokuts did not have formalized puberty rituals. However, upon a virgin's first period, she had to abstain from certain foods, and every succeeding period she would receive a pearl that she would wear along a necklace. Instruction was given to children in mythology and customs. There were initiation rituals that involved hallucination-inducing tea, um, and there were other rituals, but uh, none specific to the puberty. None specific to puberty. Now, in terms of marriage, the Yokuts had a less formal dowry system than the people of the Northeast. The mother of the bride would lay out an animal skin where the husband and wife would consummate their marriage. Sometimes. The bride would reject the suitor, and then the marriage would effectively be annulled, as the children, as children were the ultimate purpose of the arrangement. Occasionally, the man would live with his wife's family for a time, uh, but the family, husband and wife, eventually always moved to live with the husband's family. Dead yokuts were buried in shallow graves. Uh, occasionally, some were cremated, typically only when the yokuts were far from home and bringing the body home would have been cumbersome. The deceased possessions were typically burned or buried with the body, depending on how the body was processed. Uh, the widow or widower also singed their hair in a similar way as the Northeast tribe, so we're seeing these similarities cutting across geographical boundaries. Now, it's been interesting watching the renaissance of psychedelics and the growing movement to investigate the medical and spiritual benefits of these drugs. If you're interested, a good place to start to think about this is Michael Pollan's new book, How to Change Your Mind. I got a chance to read through it, and it uh, had a very fascinating history. Um, he covers a lot of the interesting parts of uh, the scientific elements of how these drugs interact with our biology, and... He even goes into his own personal journey in how he explores these drugs and what they have contributed to his mindset. Um, now, Native people, of course, have known this for a long time and have used certain plants uh, to affect the brain and have life-altering experiences. Um, Yokuts that actually wanted to be shaman, uh, and a shaman is essentially a combination of a priest and doctor, drank a narcotic mixture... Um, of plants and water, each tribe using their own variety. 
ultimately leading to a hallucinatory experience in which they believe that the shaman encountered spirits living among them. So we can compare this to uh, some of the puberty rituals that the tribes in the Northeast experienced. All right, so this has been a quick overview of the Yokuts tribe. Next week, we'll move on to the deserts of the Southwest. So long.